What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? They take their listeners from surviving to thriving. I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast brought to you by Future Focused Parenting. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the laundry room. It's Kira and Dina back with you for another episode of Raising Adults podcast. And wow, do we have some big news today. We do. <laughs> and if you listened to the spin cycle, you knew this was coming. You did. And if you subscribed to our email list, you already know what you it is. You already know. So congrats. You're in the loop. So here's the deal, listener. We are running a seven-day Detox Your Parenting Challenge, and it is going to be epic. It is totally free. It starts on Tuesday the 25th, and here's what's going to happen. We are going to go live on Tuesday the 25th and the following Tuesday to answer Q&A, to give you guys access to us, to talk about, like, what does it look like to detox your parenting? How are we going to try and do that in seven days? And then every single day, we are going to post in a special private group that's just for our FFPs who get in on the challenge so that you guys can build a community and a family and start talking to other parents that think like you do and parent like you do. And every day we're going to post a goal for the day, something that you're going to think about, work on, focus on that's going to take you toward that detoxing that's going to happen throughout the week. And then at the end of the week on that next Tuesday, we'll go live again and check in with you guys and see how you're doing so that you're ready to launch without us after Mm. that. So exciting. And what's so great is you're going to also be able to interact with others in the community. So you're going to maybe hear and see other parents questions, other parents' struggles, other parents' victories along the way, while you really work to detox your own parenting, to take out the elements of your parenting that aren't serving you well and move forward into a really productive parenting style. So we are so excited to finally get to hang out with you guys in the in the private Facebook group. And we really encourage you to sign up for that. You only have a week. So get in on it. Yeah. So here's the deal. The link is live. Um, all you have to do is go to our website, which is futurefocusedparenting.com. It will be at the top. Take the challenge. Take the seven-day challenge. You're going to click on the button. It's going to take you to the sign-up form, and you just give us a little bit of information about yourself. And then on Sunday night, before the challenge starts, so the 23rd, you will get an email in your inbox with all the information you need, a link to the private Facebook group. You'll get all set up and ready to go so that Tuesday morning we can meet you and chat. And the great thing with Facebook Live is that even if you can't join the live discussion, you can watch it anytime. So you're not missing out if the timing doesn't work perfectly. But one of the things we ask about on the form is your time zone, because if we can cater to the majority of the group, we will. So be sure to get in on this, futurefocusedparenting.com, right at the top, join the challenge, click the button, and be with us for this detox. What's What I love about what we've created is that it's really simple. Like every day is a simple step, but it's an important step that mm-hmm. by the end of those seven days really does kind of transform the way you're thinking about the issues in your parenting that you really want to work on. Exactly. They're really simple, tangible things that you're going to be doing each day, but with a profound impact. And we just love that you're going to have access to us in a different way than just listening to the podcast. It's like having a parent coach in your own living room. Yes. And it's free, people. So sign up. You will not regret it. Also, we'll have a link on our Instagram social media. Mm -hmm. While you're there, 
Be sure to follow us at Future Focused Parenting. If you click on the link in our bio, it'll take you to Linktree, and we'll have a link to the sign up there as well. Perfect. So how to even really capture what we're going to talk about today. Well, it's kind of a great link to what we're doing. I agree. We're, because we're helping our FFPs find a community of people who are like-minded, right? Mm-hmm. So that they can feel supported, talk with people who, who kind of parent like they do to get ideas. But the reality is not everyone does parent in the same way. And that's, no. and that's okay. Totally okay. But what's it? What happens when? What happens when? What, <laughs> what happens when you are in a situation with another parent who's just parenting really differently to you, and that's either impacting you or impacting your kiddo, um, or making you uncomfortable, mm-hmm. or they're judging you or disagreeing with your parenting style. This happens in families as well. I mean, there's a there's a lot here. Oh my goodness, so much to unpack, and especially if. Like you said, with the family piece, or maybe it's a dear friend, but when they're people you really care about, it's especially hard if they maybe don't agree with what you're doing. And we are all about diversity of parenting styles because it is so much about finding what works for your family, being strong in those values, having that strong why, and that's going to look different from family to family and parent to parent. However, how you respond when someone comes up against you and kind of challenges you on something really matters. And we have very little control over a lot of things in the world, but we do have control over our reactions and our responses. And so we want to just talk about that today. How do you find your own voice and stick to it even when, and maybe especially when, someone disagrees, but also handle that in a positive way that that isn't disruptive to relationships? It's tricky. Very tricky. So, I mean, is there a why? <laughs> I do have one. Okay. But it's it's kind of based on experience, I guess I would say, is that the times that I was disagreed with really helped me learn what mattered to me, which things I would let go. So here's my why. My why is the example I set for my children. Because for me, most of the disagreements or discord around my parenting unfortunately happened in front of them. And so they got to see how I responded to a person that I wasn't seeing eye to eye with. And this was about setting them up well for positive relationships, even when we maybe don't agree. And that became really important. But there also is a little bit of my why that is a little mama bear. And that is because I also really have a, I just personally feel strongly about other people correcting my children. And so that that means that in general, I'm very preventative and proactive, and I'm the one correcting them if there is something to be corrected. But it also means that if I did drop the ball, or maybe I think I didn't and what's going on is okay, and somebody else tries to correct, that it was worth it to me to think through how I was going to respond to that in a way that honored my own parenting choices, but didn't show my children a snarky attitude towards somebody I didn't agree with. Which is so hard, because in those moments, you're you're flooding, right? You're like, you're upset, they're upset maybe, mm-hmm. and and you're having to really think about being your best self <laughs> in a moment that's not conducive to that. Absolutely. I mean, that that captures it perfectly because on the inside, those kind of things actually make me angry if I'm mm-hmm. being honest. I feel really frustrated and it's easy to even feel defensive because it feels like an affront to my parenting. That essentially, you might be saying, don't do that to one of my children. What I'm hearing is you're not doing a good job. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard for us to push past and go, no, actually, I trust what I'm doing. I'm doing a great job. 
I don't agree with what you're saying. I mean, that's really hard. I, I, I think I maybe tend toward this. I think we all have a different way we receive those words. But for me, that's where it often went is it would kind of feel as like a personal attack. And that's really hard. You feel gross when that's happening. Yeah. Well, and I think there's there's like a couple ways that this happens. So there's what you're talking about when someone maybe swoops in and corrects your children in a way that you would not have corrected them. Um, and then there's also when someone comments on something you've done. It may not even be to your children, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. you oh you do. Like I had this um, all the time when I didn't do birthday presents at my kids' oh, yeah. party for years. Years and years and years, I got comments about it. Like, really? But how is it fun for that? You know, all these kind of like not intentional judgmental comments, but really like, I can't believe you do that. You're a mean mom is essentially the, the feeling I received. I'm sure it wasn't meant that way, but that was how I received it. Just like you said, it, it feels like this affront. And how do you get really OK with hanging on to I just trust my gut. I trust my mama bear gut that I actually know what's right for our family. That is really challenging. It is hard. I mean, I think you get better at it over time. And also people who are maybe a little bit more assertive or have a stronger backbone might get there faster because I know it took me quite a while with my spineless jellyfish self. But it is worth getting there. Mm -hmm. And it's hard when you feel maybe really personally attacked by a comment or even those things like questions. Even if someone is just they may even just be genuinely curious, like, why did you pick that? Or, But we might hear a totally different message. So even unpacking what, what message are they delivering and what message am I receiving and are they the same? Mm-hmm. That's tricky in itself, I think. Yeah. we have. I have a family member that I struggle with this with. And um, often opinions are posed as questions. Mm. Um, and it comes from such a loving spot, but we just, we just disagree on on parenting and um and that's hard that's hard because when that person's around you know whoever it is i have some friends that we disagree a little bit as well um you want to find that that core thing to hold on to for yourself to feel confident as a parent to trust your gut to not be flailing and suddenly winging it right which we're not about right but you're also like, oh, should I be rethinking this? You know, there's, there's just so many ways to parent. Um, and, and so many of them are great ways to parent, right? So it, it's like picking, it's kind of like picking a, a way of eating that works for you. You know, some people feel really good on keto and some people feel really yucky on keto. And so we can't mm-hmm. get all like, well, keto is the only way to eat because it's just, that's right. just not true. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's it's this delicate balance of like just trusting that that trust. I think it comes down to that word, right? How yes. do we how do we trust ourselves? How do we trust our guts? How do we trust that we know our kids better than anyone else? We know what works better than anyone else. But then when you flip it, and here's where it gets really complicated, <laughs> we do still kind of have to be open to mm-hmm. could I be doing this a different way that's better, that's more effective, more efficient. You know, is there a, a lane I haven't considered? And so mm. <laughs> that is like a just a such a delicate balance of 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 the most important thing you've ever done in your life with the highest stakes. Like yeah. to feel all those things around something so big and so high stakes. Something is... that really matters. It's not a little thing. Ugh. And that's so true. That last piece is a complex piece because I've even had a time to to use my example of someone correcting my children. I still remember it so clearly. I've had a time where it was actually a fair correction. And my back was turned. 
And my child, who will not be identified, was climbing over the entrance gate into the gym instead of waiting for it to be unlocked after we scanned our cards. And I was not facing this young monkey. And a woman just swooped in and was like, don't climb over that. It could get broken. You could get hurt. All like valid things. But still, the first thing I felt was, ow, that stings Mm -hmm. because I I wasn't on it. And I want to always be on it. But it was valid. And so what what I ended up doing, because I do want to actually get past like, and here's how it's all super hard and we're not going to tell you anything about what to do about it. (laughs) What really helped me in those scenarios, and this is the only one that stands out vividly, but I would guess it may have happened more than once, is to acknowledge where that person was right, but still ask for what I needed. And what I needed is for my children to be specifically tuned to me in a different way. Now, I want to be clear. I have taught my children to be respectful of all adults who are deserving of respect because some aren't, to be fair. So I really care that they can receive feedback and even correction from other people without being a stinker. That being said, I really want to, whenever possible, have anything that could even be seen as punitive really coming from me because I come with a context of I love you. Yes. And that is so different than someone who I have no background with you and yet you're speaking into my life about what I'm doing wrong. That just I really wanted to guard against that where I could. So here was my combo pack of things. One, acknowledge where they're right, and then two, ask for what I needed. So in this case, that looked like, oh my goodness, I am so sorry that my child's climbing over the gate. I actually see why that is not safe and not okay. But could you let me finish addressing that with them? And then I spoke to my child about why that wasn't a good idea, why it's so important to be doing what we're supposed to, even when mommy's back is turned, you know, all that integrity stuff. We had a great little quick 30-second conversation, and then we moved on. So I was able to really address with her, you know what, I see why that's not okay. But ask for, let me do this part. And that really felt good to me. Yeah. We had something similar recently. We were out um, at a restaurant, and one of my kiddos tried to get past an adult and did it in a, you know, kind of pushy way, like tried to push past this adult, didn't say excuse me. And um, I was far enough away that I couldn't I couldn't be the one to jump in at the moment and so this adult grabbed my child aggressively by the arm and shouted in their face you're supposed to say excuse me when you walk past someone okay and my child crumbled Mm. um and it was it was horrible because I don't put my hands on my children that way so who are you to put your hands on my children that way um but I, I love what you said because I think you just articulated what came up for me that day, and I hadn't really thought of it, but it's that. It's that when I am redirecting or disciplining or having any kind of conversation, it comes from an I love you place, and the the kids know that, but you're right. Like when some random person does it and thinks that they have the authority to do it, it, it's just – I don't know. It's tricky because I also think it's okay. Like if if this person had gently spoken to my child and said, hey – Next time, could you say, excuse me, it was uncomfortable when you pushed past me? I would have had no problem with that. It's so hard to, like, know where the line is, too, because I think if somebody had politely said something, that's not the same kind of overreach as grabbing and yelling and, I mean, all those things. I, it, it, so that's going to feel kind of different for everyone. But I think if you can have this twofold idea of, okay, 
We're going to acknowledge if, if there is a kernel of truth in it, acknowledge that. But it's still okay to say, here's what I need to be able to do with my child. I mean, that's so important. And I think that goes for parenting style things too. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean you quit doing what you're doing because somebody's not a fan of it. You may need to just stay the course and possibly under some duress. Well, and, and this is exactly what I was going to say next, which is like, I remember dealing with this a lot when my two were tiny. Mm. You know, I had two babies. We had to have a schedule. People had a lot of opinions about that. Sure. You know, like nap time was this time. No, I can't meet you because nap time is this time. And people were like, you need to be more flexible and all these like things. But what I held on to at that time was this is working. Mm-hmm. This works for us. And I think you have to look at that, right? Like if someone's commenting on your parenting style, but you actually know that's working, then that that phrase, like, but this works, this is working for us. And where, where it's worth reconsidering is when you think, oh, well, actually, that's not working. Maybe I do need to look at another mm-hmm. style. Um, but then I also think we ourselves have to think about how do we present, especially as, you know, FFPs. We have this long game in mind. We're very intentional. You know, this is a group of people that are, are really thinking very, very hard and very, very clearly about their parenting. It can be easy to become the judgy one. And that it's important we're not. Mm-hmm. It's really important that, again, we come back to this really works for my family. But if you're happy, I'm not going to, like, offer you advice that you didn't ask for. You know, such a great point. I think it's definitely true for me anyway I'll out myself I have a lot of strong opinions mm-hmm. about parenting this is what, what I, <laughs> I, I have none I have no strong opinions at all I mean in addition to my belief that it's just so important to raise a human toward adulthood that's also what I do okay so it's it it yeah we get paid to have an opinion it's like it it <laughs> is interwoven into my whole world. I can't not think about it, right? And so it is really important to remember that by the same token, I I think one kind of rule I've had for myself, I mean, by the same token, we shouldn't be judging and coming out with criticism and whatever. I just want to agree with that. But one kind of rule I've had for myself is just one, just one key thing, but it's huge, simple, not easy. Let me clarify. And that is that I'm really careful about not offering unsolicited advice. Now, if I'm asked, that's different. I've been invited in to give a thought or an opinion. And I even then will say, here's what we did, or here's some things I've heard work well, but you pick what works for you to try and frame it where you choose from among this, that that shopping cart method I've talked about. Put the things in your cart you like, leave the rest on the shelf. But I've been invited Mm -hmm. to offer my ideas. And so being more careful with just inserting my opinion. Yeah. I mean, when I used to teach childbirth classes, I would talk about, you know, what to expect on the other side of of birth. And, And I talked a lot about this. Like, how do you deal with other parents that are equally new Everyone's just trying to do the right thing. Everybody's trying different things. And it's such a science experiment with a baby in particular because it's not like they can – they're not really giving you feedback. So it's a guessing game. Everybody's just guessing and just trying to survive. And I used to do this thing where I would hold a baby doll in my arm and I'd give a baby doll to another mom. And I would say, okay, let's pretend that your baby doll is screaming. Just you cannot calm this baby down. And mine – is sleeping in my arms. And imagine if I said to you while your baby is screaming, oh, 
you do that um, sleep training thing, don't you? You know, we use attachment parenting, and that has really helped with um, my baby feeling calm and loved. And then I'll flip it, like, oh, you do that attachment parenting thing, don't you? You know, we use sleep training, and we found that really helps our baby sleep well. And you're, like, holding the sleeping baby, right? And it just sheds some light on how that unsolicited advice lands. Mm -hmm. Even if it's really well-intentioned, like I can see you're struggling and I want to help you and this thing has worked for me, but we have to be so careful. And I am guilty. I love giving unsolicited advice. (laughs) But I also have to thank you for that little example from birth class because you also showed you could insert parenting style here. Oh, yeah. It is not a one-size-fits-all thing. Everyone who feels strongly about this way loves it. And there's people equally on the other side of the spectrum who feel really strongly about this way. And it's just tricky. In fact, I have a sleep consulting client who has just, for her, found a beautiful rhythm and routine and her baby naps beautifully, sleeps through the night beautifully, like four months old, sleeping 10 hours a night. So of course, there's like a combo pack, a group of parents who like secretly hate her because they wish they were (laughs) sleeping. And then other people who are genuinely curious, like, oh, tell me what you did. That seems like it really worked great. And then there's just a small segment. And unfortunately, it includes her mother. Mm that are just like the baby's not a robot. You can't decide what time things happen. That's not good. And you know what I've been really impressed by with this particular client is she has stayed firm yet kind. What a tough balance to strike, especially when it's someone that you love, you care about, and frankly, probably even somewhat care about their opinion. I mean, they raised you. And so I have just been so impressed. And I I did get permission to share this because I wanted to brag on her because what she did is she found this really delicate, beautiful balance where she knew it was working for her. She's had to return to work outside the home and the comfort of that routine and schedule also lets her enjoy her baby when she gets home and all of that. So she, A, kept doing what she was doing because she knew it was working for her. B, only spoke kindly to her mom, but firmly, we're going to keep doing this. It's working, but we really appreciate your input and three had to make the hard decision to have mom not be a care provider mm-hmm. anymore yeah. and because yeah. they needed all their care providers on the same page with what they were doing but here's what's so great about that it seems like oh was that mean to grandma but actually it freed grandma up to just be grandma then she wasn't trying to get with a program she wasn't behind and my client was able to stay with a program that worked for her while giving mom the space to just be grandma love on her when she's there but not say you know what I'm leaving you with her for five hours and hoping you don't mess up all this stuff, all this work we've done, right? So I'm just, I'm just encouraging you as the listener, is there that middle road for you? Can you find a lane where you can be kind yet firm and keep doing what you're doing that you know works while carefully weighing the input you receive? Because I think that is important too. I mean, my client did have to look at like, is this is this too harsh? Is this not fair? Is this, but it was working. And for their family with their job schedules and things like that, they ultimately came to the conclusion, we're going to continue. This is what's good for us. So there is often a middle. I think it's just hard to find it. Yeah, I think so. I have a couple phrases that were really helpful and Let's and continue to be helpful. Oh, for I me. love phrases. So the, the first thing to think about, my dad used to say, you know, when you're dealing with difficult people, You need to have a stock phrase that you say over and over and over, and you just keep saying that phrase because what you're doing is drawing a line, and eventually, it might take forever, but eventually they're going to realize that that's all they ever get from you is this one 
phrase. So I think it depends what we're talking about. Like in the example of your sleep client with mom, this is probably a great example of where you just use the same phrase over and over again. But let's say you're just out with a friend and you guys parent differently and an mm -hmm. odd comment is made. Um, there's some different phrases you can use. So I really like the phrase, um, thank you for your opinion, period. Like, shut the conversation down. Mm -hmm. Thanks for your opinion. Um, I also like when we're dealing with maybe someone who is pushing an opinion over mm -hmm. and over again. You know, that's just not up for discussion right now. Period. <laughs> and then change the subject. Move on. So continuing to say these same things over and over again. You know, I'm just I'm not ready to discuss that right now. Thank you for your opinion. That's not up for discussion right now. It is kind but firm. Mm -hmm. And it sets that that boundary. Um, and then occasionally, and I use this with my kids sometimes too, maybe you're right. Period. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. <laughs> like let them think they have a win. That's mm -hmm. okay, right? You know that you're going to stick to your guns. It's a way of kind of letting them feel heard. You know what? Maybe you're right. And moving on with your conversation, even though in your heart, you know, that's not right for me and my family. So just having some key phrases that are available to you when these things happen so that you can just shut it down yeah. and hold your ground and not end up in some. Because I ended up in all these debates. Oh, my gosh. I remember it so well. It was awful. I felt like I had to somehow validate my choices. You know that uh, you probably don't. But um, there's an episode of Sex in the City where Charlotte's like, I choose my choice. I choose my choice. I used to say that all the time. I'd like wander around the house, you know, planning their birthday party. I choose my choice. Um, it's that feeling of, you know, I, I felt like I had to somehow explain to everyone why I've made these decisions that are seemingly very different from what everyone else mm -hmm. was doing. Um, you know, now less so because the kids are older. We're reaping a lot of the benefits of some mm -hmm. of the things we did. So the, the payoff is there. And I, I'm more confident mm -hmm. because I see the payoff. Um, but again, that's what worked for our family. So, yeah. Well, and I think this idea of being that broken record, don't be afraid to be the broken record. That's really important. That works even outside of parenting. You know, if someone sees that, wow, this is all the further I'm ever going to get, eventually it's probably not worthwhile for them to engage in that way and they may give up and move on, which is wonderful. And I think even something you said earlier in the episode can work as one of these stock phrases. You can, if you are the person who can't end with just thanks for your opinion, add Kira's earlier comment because this is the truth. You can say thanks for your opinion. This is what works for us. Mm -hmm. Done. It's okay to acknowledge what works for you while thanking them for weighing in, it doesn't mean I'm adopting what you've weighed in with. And that is absolutely okay. And that's the thing of finding that middle. Like you can be nice to a person without going, oh, everything somebody suggests I have to take on. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. No, you don't. But that's not easy. And that I just want to acknowledge that. It's not easy because in the moment, I think we do either get flooded with all these feelings or anger or frustration or go into that defensiveness or we feel what Kira just described where now I'm kind of on my heels and feeling like I have to justify myself to you when really you don't. Everybody picks a thing. In fact, I used to say in my birth classes, I really don't care what you choose, but just please choose something. I think it's one of these things where we're so worried about Am I going to do it wrong? Am I going to? And really, the only way you do it wrong is to not do it, like not pick something. Make sure you pick something. And then this is what's so great with your parenting is it is OK to look and evaluate. And sometimes you might need to make a course correction. Nobody's saying if you picked something when their baby's four months old, you're stuck with it forever. No, you're not. And so that's where you can leave that room for honest feedback or even feedback from your from your own experience. You're saying, oh, 
you know, this isn't really working for us. Maybe we need to look at something different. So I I think there's a lot of room for loving yourself well in this process and trying to stay away from that mom guilt. And like, I have to explain myself to everyone because I definitely had that with choosing to work on sleep training. I definitely had that with, we didn't do no gifts, but we did no toys at birthday parties. And that got a fiasco of things and a lot of questions and But you're right. I also think for you parents who are on the early end, you're really in the thick of it. And what is so great is you can hear from us. Kira's a little further down the road. I'm like way down the road, down the road a piece. (laughs) And you do gain that confidence when you start to see the payoff. So if you're in the hard part and it's hard to stick to your decision, but you really believe it's working for your family, hang in there. Because when you see that the product, quote, the product speaks for itself, and you have a family that functions smoothly, and your kids are navigating the world well, and you're able to have calm conversations with people, wow, you don't feel as stressed out like you need to defend yourself anymore. Yeah. You know where I I think I had this the most once we were past the baby phase was anytime my kids had big feelings and I would be with them trying to process those feelings instead of trying to shut them down. Mm. And we got a lot of comments about like, you should just send them to their room. Um, you know, or like, oh, you know, they really shouldn't be making a scene in public like that. You know, just stuff like that where it was like I, I knew I was building a foundation for emotional intelligence and, mm-hmm. you know, resilience <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, later down the line. And I just had to stick with that and trust that as uncomfortable as I was because, I, I mean, these situations are so uncomfortable. As uncomfortable as I was being in the middle of, you know, toddler dance time having to work through a kid meltdown and let them feel their feelings and talk about it and blah blah blah, while everyone just wants me to shut my kid up that I had to trust that I'm playing that long game Mm -hmm. and so I think it comes back to that long game so so kind of wrapping up I loved what you said so if you've got someone who has corrected your child at all and that's uncomfortable for you or has done it in a way that feels yucky to make sure that you're acknowledging where they were right and then asking for what you need so that you get to step back into that parent role. Think about some stock phrases that you can use to just shut conversations down and allow you to just feel empowered. Um, And just remember that you're playing the long game. So if it's working, you got to just trust that it's working and you want to stick with it. And then if something comes along and you're like, that's a great idea. I never thought about that. You can make a change. It's always, always okay. And then finally, and I would say most importantly, like we as FFPs, let's set the tone for how this should look. Let's not be judgmental. Let's be proud of our parenting choices and really loving and and welcoming of other people's Mm -hmm. choices that we can maybe do things differently and still raise great kids. Yeah. Let's, let's do that as a as a team yeah let's let's love each other well and not stomp on other people's choices because we don't like to be stomped on either so so much of this is about finding your own way finding your own voice and you know there's a lot of whys for that you've heard us talk about you know for some people it's it's thinking about what do i want my kids to look like how do i want them to navigate through the world for other families or, or like my own you might have a faith paradigm where you're you're also working within like what are what are our values and how are we making this work but there is always an element i think with parents of that gut right and that intuition and so i love our quote for today it's very quick and simple but here's what it says told you so sincerely your intuition
Because so often it's right, it right? Is. Oh my gosh, time and time again. Time and time again. So be sure to join us for the seven-day Detox Your Parenting Challenge. Go to futurefocusedparenting.com and click on the Join the Challenge button or go to our social media page. Follow us if you haven't already. Click on the link in the bio and click the button Join the Challenge. Yeah, we can't wait to join you and hang out with you in our Facebook group and just hear how you're doing, and then share some great tips for you where you can honestly get to a transformational place really with just some steps over only the course of a week. So, 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 so excited. So and check we, it out. And we really hope that you will build a community of people mm -hmm. where you do feel really safe to be making the parenting choices that you're making and that you're supported and even inspired by other people. Absolutely. Like we want you to be able to interact with each other too and share those victories and struggles. So thanks so much for being with us today, and we look forward to bringing you more next week. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded in Kira's Laundry Room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening. <laughs>